The Offspring at 18 past 7, gone away right here at 92.9. JB for breakfast. Thanks to Country Autos. Take any of the GWM, have a range out for a test drive. Go on the draw for $500. Get all the details from the team at Country Autos, Coin of Hercules, and Bridge Street, West Hamworth. Drop Bears existed. They really? did. Yeah. Okay. Apparently. Good morning, Lena. Good morning. This is big archaeologist or archaeological news. I'm going to chat with an archaeologist after 7.30 oh, as well. Exciting. So, yeah, very scientific show this morning. Got an archaeologist joining me for a chat, talking about drop bears. Mm. It's all happening. Uh, apparently, so obviously, you know, drop bears have long been used to intimidate tourists that they'll fall out of the tree and attack you on the top of your head. But apparently they may have existed. We're talking 15 million years ago here. Um, but apparently researchers from the University of New South Wales have found while drop bears don't currently occupy treetops, they apparently did uh, inhibit uh, uh, the canopy of lowland Australian rainforests during the Middle Miocene Epoch era. Mm. The marsupials, which are known as nimbadon, nimbadons, we'll go with nimbadons, is that better? <laughs> <gasps> Nimbadons. <laughs> they apparently weighed about 70 kilos. Oh my god. And were similar to wombats. The University of New South Wales Pangea Research Centre professor Mike Archer uh, said the mammals could be compared to a koala on very high steroids. <laughs> there's a there's a great description. <laughs> Thank you very much, Professor Archer. That's why you get paid the big bucks. Yes. He said, we originally thought they were kind of a marsupial sheep that were initially running around the forest floor so they wouldn't get up the tree. But the skeletons now tell us that they had to be up in the trees. That was where they hung out. They virtually hung around upside down by gigantic koala-like claws, powerful forelimbs, rotating forelimbs that enabled them to climb. Professor Archer said, there's a bit of a sad... Sad part of this story. He said the animals occasionally lost their footings and fell out of the tree, sometimes dropping into caves that were formed in the forest floor. And he said that they've found many skeletons of these mammals in cave deposits on the ground. So they've obviously fallen out, gone... Mm. And that's the end of the, um, the... the Nimbadon. Interesting. I'm thinking of a sloth, like yes. cross with a like cross with the fluffiness of a koala, with the yes. ears crossed with the build of a wombat. Yeah, wombat. Yeah, that's what I'm thinking in my head. And they're like hanging. Yeah, wow. That's a great description. A wow. sloth wombat koala. Yeah, yeah. That's what are those things? Were they called animorphs or something? Where you used to do oh, in art class and you used yes. to like get three animals combine it. I yeah. feel like it's like an animorph. Yeah, that's very true. Yeah. That's I wonder if their poops were square. I, that's what I want to know from Professor Archer. Give me the big details. Professor Archer, Professor you're missing Archer. the big questions. Square poo. Yeah. Did they have that? Because wombats have square poop. Mm. Cat here. Always baffles me. Have you seen Cat that works here, her wombat bag that she has? No. So Cat here, who's got an amazing collection of earrings and handbags. Hope she doesn't mind me talking about this. Oh, I think she'd love it, actually. Um, <laughs> she's got a wombat handbag. I think from memory, it's, she's got so many handbags. I've kind of I've anamorphed Cat's handbags, <laughs> if you will. I think it's made out of cane, like the, oh, yeah. the stuff that the, you see the straw chairs made out of. 
She's got one of those. It's shaped like a wombat. It's very cute. And I said to Kat one day, that is an amazing handbag. I love that. And she goes, you know what's really cool about it? I was like, what? And she said, it comes with a coin purse. And I went, really? She popped the wombat open and the coin purse goes out its bum and it's square. The coin purse in this wombat handbag is the poop oh my of the wombat. God. But it's it's accurate. It's scientifically correct that the coin purse is a poo. That's square. Oh my god! So there you go. I, yeah. Wow. Wow. Well, thank you for that really so, interesting. I guess got to be because we've only got the scale. I, I don't know. I'm no professor, but I'm I'm gonna say that because they don't have the the actual like animal a, animal. They can't tell if it's yeah poop square from the. Well, it's fun thing. to assume. Let's yeah. say let's say they do. They have yeah. square poo. They they're fluffy like a koala. Yeah. They have the cute ears, but they have the build of the, a muscly wombat. Yeah. And they hang upside down like a sloth. Yeah, that's it, exactly. And sloths do die as well from falling out of trees. Oh, do they? Yeah. Sorry to oh. break everyone's hearts, but yeah. They get too tired, too well, they sloppy. Kind of fig- they, they, well, they grab they their would. arm as well like because they grab onto tree branches. Oh, yeah. They grab their arm sometimes instead of the tree branch and then they fall because they're actually not connected to anything. <laughs> Bit of an air gap there, <laughs> sloth. Well done. <laughs> 7.23... We're going to chat more things archaeology uh, with an actual archaeologist, not just me and Lena throwing out just <laughs> random stuff to do with archaeologist stuff. Uh, Lyle Douglas, he's a local archaeologist. It's National Archaeology Week. He's got something very special for the kids involving archaeology this afternoon at the Tamworth Library. So we'll catch up with him on the way after 7.30. If you're looking for a career in agriculture, look no further. Applications for our... And time to catch up with an archaeologist who is in town. Got a couple of engagements on this week for what is National Archaeology Week. Lyle Douglas, thank you so much for your time. How are you? Good. Thanks for having me on, JB. So I just wanted to jump on today, if you could help spread the word. So it's National Archaeology Week from the 21st to the 27th of May this year. Uh, it's a national initiative by the Australian Archaeological Association to promote the archaeological discipline. Um, I'm actually a local Tamworth in Tamworth. I work for Moss Environmental. Um, I'm their heritage advisor. Um, I've got a background in archaeology, but a lot of things always come to mind with archaeology. You know, Indiana Jones, fedoras, whips, um, <laughs> dinosaurs, unfortunately. But archaeologists don't deal with dinosaurs. We deal with the human remains and pieces of material culture. Um, so for this week, I've got two events running. If you've got it. Help spread the word. So I've got one in the library on Tuesday afternoon for kids aged between 8 and 14 um, where they can come along, participate in a, a mock excavation, find some artefacts and analyse those artefacts and also get to ask me if I want to, if kids already have an idea about archaeology and are interested in that as a future career, they can ask me anything that they like. Um, the guys from the Innovation Studio have been great. They've been able to facilitate, run the event in the afternoon. Um, and then on Thursday, we've got a uh, talk aimed at an adult audience, but anyway, everyone's welcome uh, from 5.30 at the UNE Centre, where I've got um, local historical archaeologist Melinda Gill, who's going to talk about the items of archaeology around Tamworth that are hidden amongst our day-to-day landscape that we might not really realise are there. And also I've got Len Waters coming along, who's going to talk about the Aboriginal archaeology of Tamworth and how a lot of that has been intertwined in our day-to-day 
environment that we probably don't even realise. Yeah, fantastic. Really, really fascinating stuff there. I guess uh, there's still a lot of um, a lot of kids interested in archaeology. Yeah, definitely, and a lot of things like archaeology as a as a science, it's it's great. It draws in a lots of different areas, and it's one of those things where there's pretty much anything you think of. There's an aspect of the discipline where they study that. Like, for instance, do archaeology where we study animals and how humans have used animals. Um, we have built heritage, so all the buildings yeah. over over time, how they've been built, the technology involved, what people have learnt from from them. Um, then we have the Indigenous archaeology to understand Aboriginal people and how they've inhabited Australia and the things that they've done to change the landscape and how they've lived during their times. So there's lots of things there. It's one of those topics where once you open the can of worms, there's yeah. lots of different things you can delve into. And kids especially, I mean, it's, there's a lot of hands-on digging in dirt, excavating, doing things, like measuring, identifying things, like... Especially nowadays, like all the technology involved, like we use cameras, drones, um, computer software, like mapping, lots of different things. There's many avenues within the field. How did you get into archaeology? Well, I, I spent some time in the Air Force. Um, that was a sideline. I did want to do archaeology leaving school, um, but I ended up, I went off and joined the Air Force for a few years and saw different parts of the world. And also I had the the fortune or misfortune is seeing some places where they hadn't looked after their cultural resources. Yeah. And it took me back to realise that being an archaeologist was something I wanted to do. So I went back to school, went to uni, um, gradually slogged through and all the way to doing a master's degree um, and then eventually got into the field. So it was one of those things where it took the long way around but managed to get back to it and, and now I have it as my, my sole job and it's fantastic. We see in documentaries and on TV shows like Indiana Jones, they mentioned before, they make it look so easy. <laughs> Is there an aspect yeah. of the job <laughs> where you're just literally digging in the dirt for months on end with not not much to show for it? Does that happen? Yeah, yeah. Sometimes it does. I mean, a, a lot of it, particularly for historical archaeology, we're relying on the written record from someone else. Yeah, we use that information. A lot of times in the past, people weren't that accurate or where they thought a location was wasn't correct because they didn't have the benefit of things like GPS and satellite navigation to be able to pinpoint. So sometimes you can excavate an area, peel it back, dig down feet, like multiple feet, and there'd be nothing there. Or a lot of time too, with particularly with historical buildings, a lot of people over time, they've scavenged from those sites. So they've taken all the bricks, like they've recovered the concrete, the pipes, the wiring, if it's a like a more modern type of yeah. house. So a lot of those materials, they're not there, but you can find evidence of it being there because there'll be changes within the earth where they've, those materials did sit. So unfortunately, sometimes you, you mm. don't have a lot to show, but the evidence not being there isn't evidence that there was nothing there yes. in every case. What's, uh, what's some so. of your highlights that you've done on your digs? Any in particular that you can think of? Um, probably, the, probably the most, when in early days, I did one excavation and... It was on a historic hotel, um, and I had the benefit in the, the area I was digging the unit. Um, I found a, a dinner plate, or what was left of dinner plate, plus cutlery. So it was pretty oh. clear evidence that I was under the dining room and those materials had fallen through the floor or 
been shoved under the floor, like to someone trying to get rid of them when they'd broken or something like that. So that's probably one of the most most pointy things in my mind. I can't that that stuck out as one of those moments where it's like, yep, this is this is where it all becomes cool, like you know, to qualify everything you've done so far. Yeah. Oh, very cool. Fantastic. Well, Lyle, thank you so much. I hope everything goes well tomorrow for the the library and also the chat at the UNE Centre on Thursday and all the details are on the council website and Facebook pages regarding those if people want some more info. And thank you so much for having a chat and all the best for National Archaeology Week. No worries. Thanks very much, JV. Thanks for having me on. That is Britney Spears, Elton John, Hold Me Closer here at 92.9824. JB here for Country Auto's GWM Havel and the Mayor for Tamworth Regional Council. Always great to have a catch-up with Russell Webb. How are you, Russell? Oh, I'm great. And good morning to you and good morning to the listeners out there on this cool morning, but looks like it's going to be a beautiful day. I think it will. Yeah, exactly. A cool couple of days. And so I think 16 or 15 on the weekend, so it's... And winter's here next week too, hard to believe. Winter's here and, yeah. the, and the cold weather's certainly here. And for those football fans and sporting fans, it'll be down on the on the ovals on Saturday morning. Yes. Yeah, wear your winter woolies. It'll, <laughs> it'll be very cold down there. Yeah, very much so. That's it. Hey, um, uh, fairly busy council meeting this evening. Uh, tell us about the emergency services levy and I guess how that's affecting not only Tamworth Regional Council, but sort of councils right throughout the state as well. Yeah, look, I guess, uh, yeah, there's been a bit on the news about this, uh, and I've got a mayoral minute up tonight that uh, we actually write to the Treasurer and the Minister for Emergency Services and the Minister for Local Government and say, um, please reinstate some subsidies here because this is actually really going to impact on not only our local government area but uh, and mm. our budget, but it's going to impact on 128 councils across the state. And that's to the tune of $77 million. So what we're actually looking at is a 53% increase in our emergency service levy um, for on on the past. And mm. it's, it's it's massive, absolutely massive. So we're up for another 734000 in our budget this year. We've got wow. to try and find that. And understand that that's come to us after we've actually done our preliminary budget uh, estima- estimates and we know where we're sort of going. Mm. And things are pretty tight anyway. Yeah, I was about so, to say... Uh, Potentially things like this, uh, which is really, I think, a bit of a cost-shifting exercise, uh, really, uh, if not reversed, can potentially impact on our scheduled programs, our uh, infrastructure maintenance and so mm. forth. It's, the money's got to go somewhere. It's mm. just like your household or a little business. If you've got a business and you get a, a bill you weren't expecting, you've got to say, yeah. well, where can I trim? Yeah. What can I trim to actually find that money? So... Whilst seven hundred and forty thousand or seven hundred and thirty-four thousand might not sound a lot in a in a budget the size of our budget, it still has a yeah. has a big impact. So yeah, that's what we're going to do. We're going to write and actually uh, let them know that we're not happy with it and it is impacting on our ability as well as the other hundred and twenty-seven councils across the state their ability to actually deliver the services that we're charged to deliver. This. Um, there's been so many increases in cost all around this year and ratepayers and and residents and businesses all know the cost of living has gone through the roof. So it's gone through the roof for families, it's gone through the roof for businesses, but it's also gone through the roof for councils. So when you get an extra charge like this from the state government thrown at you, it, it hurts a bit. Is that an emergency service levy that goes up every 12 months anyway or every couple of years? Yeah, look, um, some years ago there was a... I mean, we pay this year, we're going to pay $1.862 million in, in emergency services levy. Uh, and how that's how that's determined is the insurance companies uh, pay the 
the, the, you know, the vast majority yeah. of that money into yeah. that to running those emergency service organisations, which is a um, state emergency service, the New South Wales Fire Brigade and the Rural Fire Service. Yeah. Um, councils normally put in about, or used to always put in about 11.7%, mm. and the government puts in about 14 14.6% and the insurance the rest. Mm. Uh, in 2019, uh, they put a, put a hold on that and the government paid our share of increases. Yep. Not, not what we were paying, but their share on our increases, which yep. this year for us is 700000 Yeah. So they stopped charging those extra bits. Yeah. But this year they've reinstated those extra charges, so it's a, it's a big hurt now. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And and not much notice <laughs> that they're reinstating it from the sound of it. Yeah, look, I'm not quite sure what they'll do. Obviously, the state government, like as well as the federal government, they're all trying to trim their budgets mm. and mm. find savings wherever they can. But if they're mm. going to find savings with a within um, things like charging local government for more. They're really only charging the residents. Mm. Uh, we have to pay this money to the government. Uh, why don't we just have a separate levy that mm. goes to that, and the government identify this is this is your money. This is going to to uh, the emergency services and people would probably expect to uh, pay something. It's an essential service. Mm. All of them are essential services. Yeah. But the fact is we get a 3.7% rate increase delivered to us by IPART. Yeah. And here we are, we get this massive increase in costs that are being delivered to us by the federal government. So there's no match there. There's no. absolutely no match at all. So what I'd like to see is our emergency services levy be a separate line item on your rates notice so that people know when they pay their rates mm. that component of your rates is actually going to the state government. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it's not going to your council. Yes. And then they can't say, well, why aren't you doing more? Yes, uh, of course. With the yeah. extra money that we're paying because we can't do more. We've got to give that money yes. to the government. It's a it's a bit of a catch-22, really. Yeah, yeah. But look, uh, that's, uh, that's what we're up to at the moment. A uh, couple of good things. We're yeah. looking at the, uh, the Manila Bridge out there and potentially... Uh, on a positive, we might get that heritage listed. Yeah. Some of that is very, it's very significant in terms of the rail infrastructure in New South Wales. So the state are looking at potentially heritage listing that, which means uh, they'll carry the can on any expenditure. Uh, yeah, we can't afford to, but if they wish to do that, well, that'll be good. Yeah. Um, not a lot of other stuff in the business paper. I see the mountain bike park up there on Forest Road. They're looking for some equipment to keep their. Um, keep their facilities yep. up there in trim, good trim, uh, with a, a ride-on lawnmower, zero turn. And that, so we'll probably hopefully get a uh, resolution tonight yep. to, to give them uh, that lawnmower. I don't think that'll be a problem. There's just a bit of street naming in it. And, of course, a traffic committee reports back to council uh, on a regular basis, and there's a there's a mile of stuff within that traffic committee yep. that uh, we'll be considering tonight, but in that report anyway... Uh, but I won't go through that here today, but I'll just talk about the, the weekend if I can. It was yeah, an of exciting course. weekend. We it had, was, yeah, uh, really busy. We you had, had a that, fair bit on. Yeah, and we had that Shannon's car show, yes. which was um, the West Tamworth Rotary put that on, yep. and Shannon sponsored, of course, the insurance company. Uh, they they raise normally quite a bit of money from that, yes. and they distribute that to other community bodies. And so whilst it's a fantastic show, the money raised goes into the community, so that's all good. But it was a brilliant show. There was uh, motor vehicles there worth massive amounts of yeah. money. There was one there they said uh, was valued about seven million bucks. Wow! So it was a that's phenomenal. <laughs> yeah, it was yeah. an old race car. Yep, yep. But look, the the vehicles there. It's just really nice to go there and have a look at yesteryear's cars as well as some of the newer ones. And the the kids love it. Yeah, and yeah. the old motorbikes. Yes. Um, 
there was an old rusty motorbike there from there to <laughs> right through to some <laughs> of the, the most impressive bikes you'd ever see. Yeah. But, yeah, really impressive show, and I take my hat off to the West Thames Rotary Club because there's a mountain of work uh, that they have to do to pull that show together, uh, a lot of cost involved in pulling that show together. So it's really good to see them do that, and it's a great community event. Yeah, exactly, that's it. We did see the New South Wales Fire Brigade have a uh, an award no- uh, morning, sorry, on yeah. uh, Saturday morning, uh, early in their fire shed, giving awards to um, firemen and firefighters across the region, uh, some for long service leave and, and some for services above and beyond what they would normally be expected to do, some for getting involved in uh, travelling out of the region for more than five or ten days and going to, to events, uh, fire events and supporting other regions so that was a great morning a bit cold over in their fire <laughs> shed when they uh, <laughs> when they issued those i sat over there with a lot of other people and i think they were all freezing <laughs> but it was a, still a, a great morning and then a, and you know a lot of sport on of course and the, yeah. the scouting movement had a massive yes. um, get together up at lynchwood scout camp a lot of people wouldn't know much about lynchwood scout camp it's up at the top of moore creek just below the old moore creek dam and yes there was a hundred odd kids up there and a whole heap of adults and leaders and they had a fantastic weekend up there, and on Sunday when I went up for their annual uh, get-together, annual meetings and stuff, it was just nice to see them up there having a great time. Yeah, that's it. So there was a lot around town on the weekend, a lot of activity, and uh, it's, it's just great to see. And yeah. We do really have a, a vibrant uh, a vibrant city and a vibrant region when you look around, and you feel good about it when you, uh, when you sit there looking at from where I'm sitting and... Uh, We've got some pretty exciting times, I think, yeah. ahead of us in terms of all the development that's happening. But yeah. we've also got some challenging times uh, with the cost of living going up the way it is. And I hear on the news this morning they're talking about electricity going up again at the end of uh, end of June. So that's not something, or energy costs going yes. up, I should say. That's not great. Yeah. But anyway, we'll get there. Exactly. Thank you so much for coming in, Russell. Always great to chat. And we'll catch up in a fortnight's time. Look forward to it. And I hope our listeners have a great day out there. Little Tranquility, specialising in... That is Walker Hayes, Fancy Like here at 92.9. JB for breakfast. Thanks to Country Auto's GWM Havel asking all the big questions this morning after the discussion yesterday with Kevin Anderson. Kevin Anderson uh, posed the question, since when has fruit and nut chocolate been an old person's chocolate? He said he gets bizarre looks when he buys it at the shops. (laughs) And um, he's wondering when when has it become an old an old person's chocolate? I don't, do you think it's an old person's chocolate die? What do you think? Um, years ago, I probably would have said that, <laughs> but no, I now eat it. So, <laughs> where am I going with Helen, that? Helen, <laughs> Helen on our Facebook page, yeah, she said she always thought. It was an old person's chocolate, yeah. and then she made a career move into aged care nursing. Right. And she said she now sees a block of fruit and nut chocolate in every room of the aged care home. <laughs> so I think that kind of confirms <laughs> confirms yeah. Kevin's answer, I think, right there. I think it might. I mean, it was, it's, I mean, I know my dad loves it. Um, Darren, the, my hubby loves it. Uh, you know, I tell him he's old all the time. Uh, love you. Um. This is this is interesting from Diane on our Facebook page. She said it used to be my favourite many years ago when I wasn't old, 
but I've moved on to hazelnut when buying a block of Cadbury chocolate. I pose a question to Diane. Does that mean that you're saying that hazelnut is now the new old person's chocolate? Ooh. Because she's gone from eating fruit and nut chocolate when she was younger to now in her older age moving to hazelnut now. Mm. So I'm wondering, is hazelnut the new old person's chocolate and fruit and nuts down with the Mm. kids? Mm, maybe I don't mind fruit and nut. So I like, look, I don't mind it either. I've said all that, and I actually yeah. don't mind it now. I don't. I, I'll I, it. Yeah. I will. yeah, it's not my go-to. No, it's kind of like a choice. If you put that and I don't know, big block of Kit Kat or something like that. Yes, big block of actually caramello or something. Then yeah. you gain. Oh, okay, uh, it's not. It's not my. It's it's not my go-to. It's kind of like again. I want to bring boost into this. <laughs> The boost. Oh, boost. The We're boost, banging the boost. The boost is, it's okay. It's not my go-to. If yeah. you were to get me to name five chocolate bars, boost not wouldn't, wouldn't get mentioned no. in the top five. But you know what? You put a boost in front of me, I'd eat it. Yeah. Fruit and nuts so are my go-to. I. I reach for the shelf, but you put one in front of me, I'd go, <laughs> yeah. There. All right. That's you know, all right. I'll have that. Yeah. I'm not going to knock it back. So I think we can all okay. agree that it is now an old person's chocolate. That's yeah. been solved yep. and still to be discussed and still plausibility there about whether it's always been an old person's chocolate or whether that's a new thing. Yeah. We happy with that? Yeah. We've resolved that? Yeah. Gosh, we tackle the big issues. We do. We? Well done. I'll pack away my, my wig, <laughs> my my judicial wig for, for, another, for another week. Yeah. Where's my gavel? <laughs> Thank you. Go. Done. Solved it. Next. Okay. Next issue. Next. What's that? Kids driving around on dirt bikes late at night. Oh. Uh, no. <laughs> we need a whole hour for that. Well let, me, well, let me put a stop to that, Spice Girls, and let's keep... Nah. Back to the tunes. <laughs>